Okay, so audio only for this episode. Um, I don't I don't have the time to set up the video and everything, but audio only for episode 596 here of BD4. Welcome to the show. We are going over the Knicks-Nets game. Um, obviously, there was a little bit of a damper on this game afterwards, so we're, we're mostly going to talk about that. We're just briefly going to touch on the uh, the game itself, um, but we will also touch on the Mitchell Robinson news. Um, and this, because it's audio only and because I'm running out of time, I'm a little busy, it's not going to be the longest episode. It won't be our usual 45 minutes. It'll be closer to 30 minutes, if that. So just a heads up. But episode 596 of the show Welcome to the pod. Welcome to BD4. Let's get into the intro. Welcome to the podcast. I'm your host, RJ Carbone. You are listening to BD4, where there's no better way to get your Yankees and Knicks analysis. We also do MMA. Yanks every series, Knicks every game, MMA on occasion. Let's get to it. Anthony for three. Welcome to the show. Once again, this is an audio-only episode. We didn't have the time to set up the recording equipment and everything in the studio here, so this is audio-only. It'll probably be about 15 minutes shorter than we usually do these episodes, Um, but we are getting one in. We are going to hit on the important things, and of course, we're talking Knicks-Nets, but also the big news about Mitchell Robinson, but the Knicks did defeat the Nets on Wednesday night. Uh, by the way, I'm recording this on Friday morning, December 22nd, before I leave for a few things. Um, but the Knicks did win 121-102 to 102 over the New Jersey Nets on Wednesday night. Um, and inside of their little, somebody called it a cartoon arena, which was hilarious. I mean, if you saw their uniforms, Jesus Christ. Um Thank God the West Coast trip is over, too. Um, We can actually get back to watching these games at a reasonable hour. Um, Although, you know, like that matters for me, who (laughs) sleeps at like 3 a.m. anyway. Um, But yeah, the Knicks came into this game with just Jericho Sims down one to two weeks. Um, And then we find out after that Mitchell Robinson will be out for the season. More on that later. Um, for the Nets, DSJ sat in this game. That's a, that's a nice throwback right there. <laughs> I remember why I thought that. I remember when I thought that guy was like the next Derrick Rose. Um, Ben Simmons. I didn't even know he was still in the league. I don't know why he's not retired by now. He clearly doesn't want to play basketball. Don't know what it is this time, but he didn't play, of course, because 
he doesn't play. Um, and then Walker didn't play for the Nets as well. Um, but the Knicks had controlled this game from the get-go. They were making a clear effort to push early. Um, they went up 11 points pretty early in this game. You had Dante working the boards in the first quarter. His three-point shot was on from the start. Brunson was distributing. We'll talk about Becky Hammond's comments in a second. I heart making outlet passes in the first quarter. Randall scoring around the basket at the line. The bench comes in. They're pushing, and the Knicks go up 32-20 after the first. Second quarter, the Knicks struggled defending the arc. Brooklyn finally gets hot from three. The Knicks bench stopped moving the ball, quickly had a lot of James Harden ISO moments. That bothered me. Um, And it was a four-point game, Uh, but that was kind of as close as it got because Brunson and Randall get a few to fall. They re-extend the lead. And the Knicks are up 60-51 to 51 at half. Third quarter, the Knicks were working transition again early on. They start the period on an 11-0, to 11-0 run. You know, you had iHeart, Dante, RJ all contributing. Dante gets red hot from three. Brunson hits two big jumpers at the end of the period in the mid-range where it seemed like the Nets were going to try to pull it within a few points again. So those were big at the time. And it helped the Knicks re-extend their lead up 90-77 to 77 after three. And so the fourth quarter, the Knicks kind of put put the game to bed early. Another big run to start the period, this time an 8-0 run. That put the game away. Grimes hits a couple big baskets in the period, and the Knicks win. The final score of this game being, once again, 121-102. to The Knicks outshot the Knicks 46% to 37%. They shot better from three, 39% to 32%. They were 80% at the free throw line to the net 77%. They won the glass 54-49. Assists 24-25. They lost by one there. Uh, both teams had 11 turnovers and 15 stocks. Um, you know, before the game, or no, this was, this might have been yesterday, I think, after the game. This was yesterday on Thursday. Um... Becky Hammond, for whatever reason, I thought she still was with the Spurs organization. I guess I don't know where I've been last, I don't know. I don't know how long it's been, but um, I think she was on ESPN. I don't know. I don't watch ESPN. I just saw the clip, and she was talking about Brunson and the Knicks. And it's, again, I don't want to feed into this because this is the point of what they do. They try to get Knicks for clicks. Um, But, like... Yeah, you know, it's always after a Nick win. It's not random, folks. They always do this after a Nick win or after the Knicks are, after the Knicks are, are playing well. Um, they make these comments, and it's the same old, you know, recycled talking point. The one talking point that the media has when it comes to the Knicks. It's the only one they can, ha- they can use because they don't watch the Knicks. They don't pay attention to the Knicks. So... They just go by the one thing that's on their script, and that's the Knicks need a superstar. You know, this is this isn't a title contender. It's the same thing. And she was saying that about Brunson, how he's too small to be a one A, yada yada. And again, just like with the TNT guys a few nights ago when the Knicks lost to Boston, they're not incorrect. They're correct. They're right. The Knicks do need a one A. Brunson is very small, but. It's for me. It's it's just the timing. Like people love to say, "Oh, she ain't wrong. They ain't wrong." Yeah, no shit. But it's the timing. It's just odd because you're not saying this about the other teams. 
who've been progressing but aren't title contenders yet. And I made a very odd analogy, but it was the only analogy that came to the top of my head the other day, um, probably because I've been watching a lot of Breaking Bad. But it's like telling a sick patient who's been sick for years on top of years, and they finally get news that they're in remission. It's like going up to them and being like, hey, it's great that you're in remission. You're not even close to being cured yet. You're not healed yet. It's like, oh, thanks. That's a little odd. The timing of that is weird. It's like we're progressing right now. Stop trying to knock us down. So I, I get both sides, but it's just like, yeah, find a new talking point. Um, just wanted to get that out of the way. Um, regarding um, the game itself, uh, Julius Randle had a big-time game. He continues to kill it. Um, he absolutely abused Spencer Dinwiddie on switches. And, you know, one of the good things about Randall being a more traditional power forward in modern NBA is that he's able to exploit mismatches, right? Because there are not a ton of guys in today's game that have the same build and the same physicality at power forward who play that same old school ball. You're not going to run into any more Amaris and Barclays anymore. That's, you know, you have Zion, and that's really about it. Um, so with Randall, he's able to take advantage of that. You know, the Nets have a lot of switchable wings with length, but they don't have a guy, they don't have a ton of guys with mass, with weight. And even if you do throw a big man, like a five, onto Julius, well, he's too quick. He's just going to beat you that way. So he's been, he's in one, man. He's on one right now, and he's making a case. I'm going to say it as, as you know, one of Julius's biggest critics, but... He's making the case to be, he, he's, he's, you could say that he's been the Knicks best player this season. And I wouldn't, I'd probably go against that. I still think Brunson's, he's by far the better player overall, but I still, th- and I still think he's having the better season, but you could make a case that Randall's right there this season um, because he's playing at that, that level. He's playing at an all-star, all NBA level again. In his last 11 games, he's averaging 27, 10, and 5 on 57%. He's been 50% or better in 8 of those 11. He scored 20 points in every one of them, 25 points in 7 of them. He's been on one. He's been absolutely on one. And in this game, I don't think we read his line. We didn't read his line. He had 26 points, 7 boards, 4 assists, only one turnover, plus 27 to lead the game. So, credit, credit. Um, but I'm actually handing the game ball among the starters to Dante DiVincenzo. Um, I thought he was even better in this game. Dante DiVincenzo went for 23 points, 8 boards, 3 steals. He shot 9 of 15. 5 of 10 from 3. And what he brings in movement to this offense is great. Right, The movement shooting, the cutting the relocating to the corners off the ball. It's excellent. It's such a big help as to when that's the one thing offensively, when Grimes is with the starting unit, you don't get him moving off the ball. He's usually just standing in the corner, very Kevin Knox-like, not comparing the two. Um, But Dante's always on the move, and it complements the starting lineup perfectly. Um I also like that Tom Thibodeau took him off the point of attack in this game, which is a positive. That's a good adjustment. Um, 
And Dante had, again, eight rebounds, three steals. So he continues to run the floor in transition, push the ball on the break, jump the passing lanes, attack the boards, and start transition opportunities. So definitely giving him the game ball. Off the bench, I gave it to Josh Hart. Josh Hart had his first double-double of the season for the Knicks, 10 points, three, uh, 10 points, 13 rebounds, and three assists. Also had a steal. Got to the line, took his three-point shots. He was aggressive. Quick decisions in the half court, passes, snappy. His shots were aggressive. He, he just took the open ones. He was good. Aggressive on the glass, stealing rebounds from, you know, forwards on the nets. He was key to that second unit. Chasing around loose balls, and his fingerprints was everywhere, were everywhere in this game. It was a typical Josh Hart game, and he's been good for the last couple weeks since he made those comments, right? So credit to Josh Hart. He gets a game ball from off the bench. And overall, it was a good win on both sides. Um, the offense is absolutely humming right now. Um very low key, right? Like nobody's mentioning it. And for all the concerns we have that we're about to get into regarding the defense, the Nick offense is currently top 10 in the NBA, but I would not be shocked to see them top five again very, very soon. Um, because you know, with the defensive drop-offs that you're getting with Dante and Ihart in there over Mitch and Grimes, you get at the same time offensive upgrades with their aggressiveness and their playmaking and their off-ball motion, the two of them, right? Like, the defense, uh, I'll even say it has been better lately. The Nets take and make a lot of threes. And the Knicks had issues with that, mainly in the second quarter. But in this game, the Knicks handled it. They took their three-point shot away in the second half. Tibbs made some nice adjustments. Cam Thomas made comments after the game saying that the Knicks ran a simple drop coverage and we just didn't execute. And I follow this account on Twitter. Um, he's one of the, he, I believe he's one of the contributors for uh, Knicks Film School. And he's very, very intelligent. He gets, I, I, I learn a lot from him. Everything is, a lot of the things I say is like me learning from, from a lot of the accounts I follow. Because um, I'm still learning. I'm still learning the technical aspects of the game, the, the X's and O's and stuff, but he, he made a good point saying, well, the Knicks ran drop coverage because if the Knicks were to blitz, hedge the pick and roll, then they'd be playing right into Brooklyn's hands because if they're, you know, <clears throat> they're running drops so they don't have to tag the roller, which creates those open three-point looks. So it was a very good point. Um, and that's Tibbs' scheme right now. He's going to run drop it and force you into three-point misses, and it's worked. Um I'm not the biggest fan of it in the modern era, uh, but we're going to talk about the defense right now. Uh, as soon as we return from our first break, we're going to discuss the Nick defense because it's probably going to take a hit despite the improvement the last couple games. Stay with us here on BD4 episode 596. We'll be right back. We appreciate you sticking around and listening so far. When you have a chance, be sure to open YouTube to subscribe, like, and comment. And if you're already watching on YouTube, be sure to head over to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star review. We appreciate your feedback and are always looking to improve. Now, with that all said, let's get you back to the show.
Okay. Welcome back to the show. Episode 596 of BD4. So Mitchell Robinson, we find out right after the game, (laughs) this was just a crusher, that he's going to be done for the entire season. Um, First of all, I think the Knicks are going to miss him on defense. Um, let's, I mean, that's obvious, but I want to touch on that right now. Um, because although they've been better their last than two games defensively, Mitch is the center of their defense, literally. <laughs> um, he covers for so many mistakes on the back line, right? He's, he's able to protect the rim if the Knicks get beat at the point of attack. He's able to deter penetration himself. Right, He can create fast break opportunities and create turnovers with his aggressive defense off pick and roll. Um, so having both now Mitch and Grimes out of the starting lineup, obviously for different reasons, scares me. And I don't think Tibbs is going to make another change because he just did. I mean, he usually makes one rotation change a year. Um, you know, when he first came here, he <laughs> took to the playoffs to sit Peyton. Last year, he... You know, makes the one that one decision in December to sit Fournier and Rose. So I don't know that he's going to change two guard spot anymore, but yeah, having Grimes and Mitch not with the starting unit anymore scares me. You know, this means that, uh, that Brunson, that Barrett, that Randall, they have to make more decisions now on defense. Um, now Dante defensively, he's, he's good off ball. He's good in help. He's good in rotation. He can play the pass lanes, but he's not that good at the point of attack. Dante gambles a lot, which can be both good and bad, right? It's good because he can create steals and transition opportunities that way, but it's bad because it's the whole, you reach, I teach, right? If he doesn't get a steal out of it, he's now chasing at his guy's hips. He's detached from his assignment, and it leaves our bigs in a tough spot where they got to play two, right? If Dante gets beat... Because he gambles well, now Sims or iHeart, whoever the hell it's going to be, um, they either have to help off their assignment on an island with the penetrator, or they choose to stick to their man, stay home, and that gives the penetrator the easy lane. So the point of attack defense is going to take a hit. Um, so while the defense has been better, I don't know that I trust it versus good competition or long term this season. I, I don't know the numbers, but the eye test. It feels like just by watching, there's been a lot more fouling going on because the Knicks are getting beat at the point of attack. I feel like the rebounding has been pretty bad for the most part. The Knicks have been allowing a lot of defensive rebounds. Like they were ranked first in the NBA regarding offensive rebounds allowed up to December 4th. But since then, and as we speak, it's the 22nd, the Knicks have been 21st in that area. So they're having issues stopping offensive possessions on that end. Um, They're also having problems in transition defense. Difficulty getting their defense set. Problems communicating. There's a lot of miscommunication on ball screens in the half court. We did a film session on that a few episodes ago versus Utah. When the Knicks took that loss at the start of the West Coast trip. Um, Yeah, it's, you know, do we switch? Do we stay home? Do we play in a drop? You're seeing that, again, lately better, but I, I don't know that I trust it. It sucks. 
and I kind of wish that we do make some adjustments and went with different schemes and strategies, but we all know Tom Thibodeau. He's not just suddenly going to implement his own. How often have we seen that in the Thibodeau era? I don't see the Knicks running a 2-3, a 3-2. Like, I don't see that happening. He doesn't trust zone defense, clearly. Um, And you're also hearing a lot of people, they would like the Knicks to run Randall at 5, play a 5-out small ball offense. Um, And it definitely would bring more offense. Um, Well... I mean, Randall's doing such a good job, like we said, exploiting mismatches at the four. I don't know that it will. You know? And I do worry about the defense when you play Randall at five. Like, I, I, I know, like, okay, so iHeart brings you offense at center. You, when he goes to the bench, you want to play hard at four, Randall at five. It's like you do need some defense. Or as small as it is, and we've also seen Randall play in drop coverage. It's pretty abysmal. He's not going to be able to protect the basket. He doesn't rotate with enough urgency. And even in this game, when he ran five for a few minutes, which kind of shocked me, um, we saw, what's his name, Sharp, take care of him pretty effortlessly on the glass there. So, maybe you pick and choose your spots, you know, against certain matchups, but do you mix up pick and roll coverages? Because iHeart's not the same defensively in drop coverage as Mitch. Do you mix that up? I don't know that you do either because if you bring iHeart up, then you have to worry about Randall and Brunson rotating middle to protect the basket. It's a weaker secondary. Um, I would I would trust iHeart's above average ability to play in a drop scheme than I do the Knicks starters below average ability to rotate efficiently in the back line. You know, this way, if the Knicks blow a coverage, you're still going to have iHeart on the back line because he's playing in a drop. So I don't know that he's going to, going to adjust. Um, it, it, that's I, And he's, he's done a better job mixing up coverages. I just, I don't know how much he can really do without the personnel. So... Yeah, that's all to say. I think with this news, the Knicks definitely have a lower ceiling now. Um, like Mitch's defense can change the outcome of an entire playoff series. So it, it can be the difference between third round, second round, second round, first round, four seed, five seed, or six seed, seven seed. Like I, I still think the Knicks are, are going to be able to win enough games to get a top six seed. Like my prediction in the preseason was 45 wins in the number six seed. I'll stand by that. Um, but I'm definitely less optimistic about the postseason now. We saw Mitch's greatness in the playoffs last year. It won them that first round. Um, and it seems like the Knicks are planning to make a trade um, or that or sign somebody <laughs> because they did part of the news that came out on, on, on Wednesday night was the Knicks applied for a $7.8 million disabled player exception DPE. So what that is, is it's money that the league will give you if a player is out for the season. So if you have a guy who's confirmed out for the season, that team that applies for that loan 
well, I don't think it's a loan. It's it's actually you get the money. They receive half of that player's salary or the mid-level exception money, which is Dante DiVincenzo, whichever is lower. And in this case, Mitchell Robinson's lower. So they're going to get half of his salary to use uh, on a signing. Uh, so they can either spend that money on a one-year deal or they can just decide to trade for you know an expiring player and not have to worry about matching salary. Um. The unfortunate thing is that the Knicks are very close to the luxury tax right now, and they're also hard-capped this season. The hard cap is set at 172. The Knicks currently sit at 162. So, if they get the DPE money, they can still use it all. Um, But I think they have to do it. They have to do something, because in non-Isaiah Hartenstein minutes... Relying on Taj Gibson and Jericho Sims is just, it's unserious and it's not very sustainable. Jericho is clearly not ready. Taj Gibson, I mean, come on. <laughs> that guy's 67 years old and he's, he's, he's you know, one injury from, from retiring. Um, but here's where it gets a little gross because your options are very limited since all the good centers obviously make way too much money for the Knicks. Meaning those players who the Knicks... Like, the, the, all the good players, the Knicks can't use their disabled aid for. Right? And the expiring stopgap bigs who the Knicks can use money on just aren't very enticing options at all. Like, you're hearing... I can't believe you're actually hearing people call for these players, but you're hearing DeMarcus Cousins from Knicks fans. You're hearing Dwight Howard. And I'm like, those guys aren't in the league right now for a reason. You know, you're hearing Andre Drummond, who's not the same player he was, and I never loved him anyway. Um, He's not a great rim protector. He's got no offense. He can rebound still. Sure, that's the one thing he's always going to be able to do. And, And maybe he can play a basic drop coverage. So that's an option. Um, not an enticing one. Nerland's Noel. You're hearing Knicks, uh, the, the Knicks fans wanting a reunion there. He's made a glass, dude. Uh, it was ugly at the end anyway after the re-signing. His defense dropped off. I also don't think he's in the league right now. Like I don't. He does know Tom Thibodeau's system. Played under him. He, he's had success under him. So maybe that's something Tibbs enforces to the front office. And I don't know. I've heard Mike Muscala's name. I don't know that Tibbs wants him. He's not much of a defense guy. Not a Tibbs guy. He does shoot it well. Bismack Biombo, he's probably a Tibbs guy. Um, and obviously, again, you get to the more enticing options. Kelly Olynyk is an option. Um, he's not a great rebounder, defensive player. He's not going to protect the rim, but he's, you know, he brings a different dynamic. He can shoot, pass, space out the floor. And he's actually good, unlike the players that you'd grab under the disabled aid money. But that's the thing. Olenek, he makes $12 million this year. So that's over the DPE. So for Kelly Olenek, the Knicks would have to make a trade. They'd have to involve players, match salaries, and get into all the rotation stuff. And if you start going down that route, 
that might impact the future? Would they still be able to pay iHeart? Because I'm sure iHeart's value, the, the second that news was announced Wednesday night, jumped. It increased. He's gonna he's going to get more than what he was prior to. And so are teams are gonna command more now that they know the Knicks are desperate. You know, I've heard Lori Markinen, stretch five, he can play four, maybe sometimes play the three with the with the bench unit for the Knicks. But you start going down these routes, and I feel like you're changing the identity of the entire team. And I'm fine with that. You know? I'm you know, I heart starting. That's already a different dynamic. You know, he's all about the offensive upside, I heart. Passing, cutting, screening, DHO with guards. But, I don't know, man. I just feel like Danny Ainge isn't going to do anything with the Knicks. So any Utah Jazz player, Ainge is going to ask for a billion picks because he's an asshole. You know how that went down last time they tried doing business there. It's also tough because it's December 22nd right now. And there are 55 or so games left in the NBA season. Nobody is trading anytime soon. And a lot of teams in general just aren't selling anymore because with the play-in tournament, everybody thinks they have a shot. It's very similar to the new playoff format in the MLB. It's kind of killed the trade deadline. Um, So all in all, I think the Knicks might be fine as far as the regular season goes. Playoffs, yeah, I, I don't see them making this third round push or even second round run now. It's going to be tough to win around at all. Like it kind of seems like kind of seems like one of those injuries like the Judge one with the Yankees last year. And now I'm not comparing Mitch to Judge, but he makes an impact to the Knicks like Judge did to the Yankees in my opinion. Uh, similar. Um you know, w- with Judge when he went down, no Yankees fan really accepted their season was over until later on. You know, they kind of lived in denial for a bit and and I feel like we might be doing the same thing with Mitch like we all know now there's going to be an elephant in the room we all know the next season already had a ceiling it's probably got an even lesser ceiling now um but yeah I mean it's another injury for Mitchell Robinson and and you go through his career and he's had a number of injuries um I I personally think it's time for the Knicks to move on from him I am completely over it love the guy he works his ass off. He's passionate. I, I really root for him, but I, I am so over him going down every year and leaving his team in a, in a in a conflict. And it's not his fault, but you look at his frame, look at the way he plays. Yeah, it's gonna continue happening. As as much as you don't want to hear that, and it sounds harsh, it's probably gonna continue happening. Uh, and, and the Knicks need to figure out a way to do something else. So I, I'm ready to move on from him. I don't know. I don't want to get into all that yet. Um, maybe on a different episode we'll get into that stuff. But regarding this, yeah, the Knicks are going to have to do something. They're going to have to make a trade. You know, I, I don't think this $7 million in disabled aid is, is going to really get you anything that moves the needle at all. You're going to have to make a trade. Um and it's going gonna, it's gonna to be one that you see the Knicks part with certain players you might not want them parting with. <clears throat> you know what I mean? Uh, <laughs> there's one guy in particular fans are very upset right now with, not with, but you know, regarding his situation this past offseason that, that might be on his way out now. Um, but 
Yeah, I, I just before we wrap it up, one last thing. Like, it's important to remember that the Knicks aren't trying to replace Mitchell Robinson, but instead they're trying to upgrade from Jericho Sims and Tosh Gibson. So they're not going to get a guy who's going to be close to Mitchell Robinson. So anybody they do sign and trade for, you're going to have people be like, what? This guy, he ain't it. So it's not going to be anything that jumps off of the table, jumps off of the page to you. Um, I'm not expecting it to. So with that said, we'll wrap it up here. Get to our final break. Come back. Wrap it up with our trivia. Stay with us here on BD4. We'll be right back in a few minutes. You can also find us on social media. If you'd like, you can follow BD4 on Facebook, and we're at BD4Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We appreciate you helping us grow more and more every day. Let's get back to it. If you have time in the day or maybe just prefer old-fashioned reading over listening, then you can always follow along and subscribe to BD4Blog by going to BD4Blog.com. We're not on there as often, but when we do post, it's just as entertaining, opinionated, and passionate as we are on this podcast. Thank you so much. And let's keep on with the show. Studio 69 Productions is a podcast production agency created by Leo Rodriguez to allow content creators to market their podcast. It's an online platform that will market your podcast or any other project that you're working on. Get in touch with Leo Rodriguez from Studio 69 Productions. You can find Studio 69 Productions on Instagram at Studio69NJ. Studio 69 Productions, where dreams are heard and born. All right, welcome back to the show. Welcome back to episode 596 of the podcast. We're going to wrap it up with our trivia. Yeah, we don't have the soundboard up tonight, but or this morning, but um, this episode should be out by tonight. Uh, again, as I'm recording, it's Friday, December 22nd. It should be out by either the afternoon today or um, by night. Um, who was the last New York Nick to wear a number higher been Taj Gibson's 67. Who is the last Nick to wear a number higher than Taj Gibson's 67? Now, okay, so sorry, that literally just a second ago I had to pause the recording, so I was just out for about 10 minutes. I have no idea where I left off. I forget. Um, I think we were doing trivia, um, but I think I, I think I, yeah, I think we were in the middle of trivia. Um, the hint was that if you watched the game the other night, this was very similar to the MSG trivia. So one final time, who was the last Nick to wear a number higher than Taj Gibson's 67? So let me know the answer. And that's it for episode 596 of the show. I will see you in 597. We might be talking more Knicks. Probably be talking Yankees soon because they just got some news. Or, you know, the Dodgers got the news. But, um, yeah, we'll, we'll be covering Knicks-Bucks for sure. Uh, I'm not sure if the Yankees episode will be out next or that Knicks-Bucks game. But stay tuned because we have a lot coming on the show. 
episode 596 in the books. Thanks for tuning in. See you in the next show. Later. This episode was brought to you by Anchor. Hey there. If you stayed the entire way through, we thank you immensely for it. We hope you enjoyed this podcast and that you come back for the next episode real soon. Don't forget to like, subscribe, comment, download these episodes, and share them with your friends as well. BD4 is a five-star podcast simply because of you, and we'd like to keep it that way. Have a wonderful day. Go Yankees and go Knicks!